welcome to our first ever wrestling podcast, and we definitely have a title for it. Well, clearly, um, you, you found it. That, that's why you're listening because to it. An unbelievable title for a podcast that we got straight away. There may be other wrestling podcasts out there, but this is the one you want to listen to because this gives opinions that are based solely on facts. And it's the newest. And, yeah, it's newest, unless there's one being recorded right now that's shorter than us, of which many there are. Um, I say we, I'm being joined by my dear friend, Mr. Soapdish. Soapdish, say hey. Hey, uh, and it might be wise at this point to introduce yourself. Well, that's very kind of you. My name, I'm colloquially known as Y2. The reason being, when I was, what, 14 years old... I signed up for a bank account under the name of Chris Jericho. If he's still got those debt collectors, I apologise. Do you, are you really sorry though? Well, sorry, not sorry. So, Sophie, tell me a little bit about your wrestling background. Um, I know you're yet to claim a title, but what got you into wrestling? Uh, do you mean? Or what in... is your first memory of wrestling? Oh, that's that's a good one. Um... Eh? I think, you know what, I think for people of our age, and we're recording this in our mid-thirties, um, I think for people of our age, it's, <laughs> well, I just outed our age, um, I think for most people, okay, it sir. was the late eighties, early nineties, when Sky TV in the UK first started to launch, because WWF TV programming had kind of been around for a little bit by this point, but at the same time, it, it wasn't really well known. And it was that kind of perfect storm of people getting satellite TV for the first time and Hulkamania being arguably at its peak with um, Hogan going off to kind of make movies and kind of appear everywhere. Um, and also the fact that Hasbro launched at the same time this was all going off their first wrestling toy line, which was one of the the biggest toy lines for years. I think it was that kind of perfect storm of all these things coming together at once that meant it went from this kind of niche product from America into the playgrounds of every school in the country. Yeah, because especially uh, Sky was brand new in the UK at that sort of time. Uh, Sky Sports was brand new. It was still buying stuff. Um, it had just bought the Premier League around the same sort of time. I believe that it bought the, the rights to WWF. So everything was new in terms of television, let alone just having WWF on TV. Well, when I first saw WWF, um, there wasn't even Sky Sports. That hadn't actually really? launched yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would have been on Sky One, um, and it would have been uh, late 80s, early 90s. I'm trying to think of the storyline. The first, the first proper storyline I can remember, and it's probably not the first memory of me actually watching it but certainly the first storyline that stuck out was when um uh, macho man Rony savage got attacked by um one of jake the snake's pythons oh that was i saw that again the other week proper bit him yeah 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 oh yeah no it was i mean it's it, been, it been defanged but we yeah. weren't to know that um and uh, my memory well, turn for the snake <laughs> yeah absolutely at that time it was uh, it was a face until it bit uh Randy. Um, 
But the thing is, I remember, I still remember the original coverage of it because it was like a big X across the screen. So you couldn't see the full footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it had been shown like, it must have been around lunchtime on a Sunday or something like that. I think they used to show it. Um, so that was it. And I, I think at that time, because it was pre Sky Sports, when they had events like, um, Mania, they were showing them on, on uh, Sky Movies. Really? Yeah, until, you know, once Sky Sports launched, and I'm, I can't remember when, I can't remember if Sky Sports launched because of the start of the Premiership or just before. But yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, um, the Premier League is what really kicked off Sky Sports. Um, and until that point, the events have been shown on, on Sky Movies. And actually, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember if SummerSlam 92, which obviously would have been the same month that the Premier League debuted um was actually shown on Sky Sports or on Sky Movies. I think it was on Sky Sports, but it was definitely that time when it could have been on, on either. Yeah, well my answer's not as long winded. <laughs> it look if you I mean I know you don't I know you don't listen to the podcast that I do, of which I host ah. about twenty. Um ah, God is that how many about it feels like that sometimes, um, but yes, I do love to go off on tangent. Yeah, well, I, th- I think my first moment was about 1992. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to go around to my mate's house because my mum had to go and pick up my brother from school. And he wasn't well, so I was taken to my mate's house, and we sat there watching uh, Royal Rumble on one of these videotapes. Uh, for any young listeners listening in, a videotape is something that you'd recall television programs on and have to put it into a machine known as a tape player. Uh, to then watch. Um, and yeah, it was a Royal Rumble. I can't remember which one it was. Um, it could have, nah, no, it might have been too early for HBK Bulldog. Um, could have been uh, Ric Flair, one, one it, Ric Flair one. 92 was, was Flair's. Yeah. yeah, 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 I think it was Ric Flair. Um, so yeah, that kind of, cause, well, like, to watch Royal Rumble first, this is arguably the most entertaining, uh, event, uh, for, for wrestling. Um, so yeah, watch that, but didn't have Sky Sports myself, so kind of just found out through friends what was going on, and finally got, uh, Sky Sports, like a couple of years before the, the Attitude Era, so that was a great time to really get into it, um, and yeah, like still at the age of 34, as you said, um, you know, watching more wrestling than ever, I dare say, um, but yeah, like, um, so that's our background, and the podcast is basically just to talk about what we've seen in wrestling in the past seven days, um, to add opinions, to add uh, predictions, and just have like a sort of talking piece to see what's been going on down. And what a week it has been for wrestling. Um, wrestling, it's not directly in the news, but it's really been linked heavily to what has been taking up a lot of the news time uh, the last few days. Um, as you probably heard, uh, Jamal... Uh, Khashoggi, uh, who was the Saudi-born uh, American living journalist who died in Saudi Arabia. Um, they believe he, w- he was killed by Saudis. And obviously you've got the crown jewel coming up in a few weeks' time. Um, WWE are being put into this position. You've got U.S. senators there urging WWE to consider cancelling, postpone, or even moving uh, their pay-per-view event. Um, the Saudis are denying it. 
The Turks reckon they've got evidence. Um, WWE recently came out, I believe in the last 24, maybe 48 hours, to put their stance to say that they're currently monitoring the situation. Um, and what a time this is for them, of course, because um, this is a huge event. They've bought into this, what, 10-year contract with the Saudis to host events out there. And this looks like being, you know, pun intended, their crown jewel of the overseas events they've had in the last, what, six months. Mm. Um, so it's really come at a bad time for them. I guess they're kind of hoping that whatever evidence there is out there gets released in the next, what, two weeks before their shareholder meeting. Um, I believe that's a week before Crown Jewel. Um, so they're kind of hoping that it's all taken care of. They don't have to cancel it, because I guess that would be in their worst uh, interest to actually cancel it, given that they're building it up now. It's... Um... It's a really hard one, I think, um, because, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's been a massive story. Uh, I mean, I don't think... When I first started hearing about it, I didn't really understand the link um, because, I, right. you know, I didn't know the, the full background. You know, I heard someone had been killed. I didn't realise, um, you know, the, the full story around it and, and where this has all kind of come from and who might be involved. And obviously, that is where the matter gets complicated is when those individuals are then involved or... or uh, those nationalities are involved. Um, the Saudi deal, from my understanding, is is quite. It's not quite complex, but it's it's quite important uh, for WWE yeah, yeah. to to have because it's a ten year contract. It's two events per year. That's the deal. Yeah. Uh, and as part of this, there there's also this. Um, they're putting all these demands that are kind of unheard of. You know, because normally, you know, WWE before are used to putting on events like a SummerSlam, a Royal Rumble, um, or even a lesser pay-per-view. And, you know, they just do what they want to do. But with this deal, they are demanding the wrestlers that appear on the card and are yeah, paying for the privilege for that as well. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw um, or, or, or heard the rumours around the first event earlier this year which was the greatest... Uh, was it the biggest Royal Rumble or the greatest Royal Rumble? Yeah, greatest Royal Rumble. Greatest yeah, Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah. Which it wasn't, by the way. Um, <laughs> except except for the, uh, the the slip and slide. I mean, that was... Yeah, it was the greatest house show of Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a better way of describing it. Um, but there were at least... Um, I'd have to... A conversation of documents uh, around that event about people that they had requested to appear at that event. Uh, and there were people on there like Yokozuna. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who had died in 19, uh, I think it was 1999 or 2000 he died. Um, it would be tough. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of deceased wrestlers that they wanted Could they to have had fake Yokozuna? Well, that, that, that is the question. I mean, could they have got Rikishi um, to, you know, dye his hair black and yeah, yeah. put on the old uh, trousers? Um, and, and possibly put it off, you know, maybe because you know, bearing in mind Yokozuna himself wasn't actually uh, Japanese. Um, as you say, the, the Saudis they're demanding all of these old stars. The Saudis are actually doing a better job of booking the matches than the writers are in WWE at the moment. I mean, well, because it's the... they're bringing back a lot of the old guys thanks to the Saudis. 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I personally don't think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I sat there and watched, um, the, um, Thunder from Down Under. That's yeah. what it was called. Nice. Um, but it's what it should have been called, named after the sexy dance troupe from Vegas uh, and Australia. But, um, that event that they had last week or, or the other week in, in Australia, um, you know, we saw on that card the, uh, the apparently last ever match between Triple H and The Undertaker. And when they until first, next month. Well, until next month. I and mean, when they first announced that match, I've got to say, as a fan of, of both wrestlers, I had no interest in it except from like a, an almost sadistic point of view. Um, this is how ridiculous the wrestling's become. The two of like the oldest guys still, or two of the, the two oldest guys were still active. Um, they do a better job of building up their match for um, the event than anyone else on the card. They imagine it become the main event um, because it was the most talked about on TV. I think you're being generous with active. I think anyone yeah, that's seen the Undertaker wrestle in the last five years... They're not retired, right? You know, they're not retired. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, sorry. When I, when I meant that, that comment, I meant in, in how active the Undertaker was and has yeah. been for his last few ma- matches. I mean, he's barely walking. I mean, it is almost like the Undertaker is living the gimmick of being like, uh, you know, a zombie of sorts. Um, but you know what? He has, a, he, he has doing. a good match. He didn't have a good match. It was awful. He it was bloody awful. Ma- he had a good match. It wasn't, you know, in compared to what we was expecting to get and what we saw with Antaker at WrestleMania, it was a good match. He certainly had a lot more spots than I was expecting to see from him. I mean, it was, it was a very slow-paced match, that was for sure. Um, yeah, but, but, you know, they're not cruiserweights. So you're not going to expect no, speed. No. That's a good match. Uh, that was impressive. But the problem is, because uh, as you can see with the TV ratings that Raw's been having in the last while, because Raw's not been interesting since WrestleMania. It's been on like a downhill spike and the viewers are showing that. Uh, Even to the point that this week they had, what, uh, four legends returning or appearing at least Mm. on Raw. And still it was like one of the lowest ratings it had had for years. I think it was like two million viewers. Which is ridiculous for Roy. It's a tiny amount of share compared to what they were getting in the uh, uh, Raw Wars uh, with WCW. It's a, it's a really low uh, share for them. I think, I mean, you're right, but I think at that time, wrestling was hot. Like wrestling was was all over the mainstream. Um, yeah. You know, you had huge audiences watching both products. I mean, I, I think regularly you were getting about 6 million people plus a week watching both of those shows. And once WCW folded, Raw, you know, what you would normally think is that if you've got, let's let's say for argument's sake, 6 million people watching wrestling on a Monday night across two shows, and one of those shows disappears, you would expect to get the majority of those people over to your product. And we never saw that again. You know, wrestling ratings have been decreasing year on year ever since. You know, yeah. it's been... But fortunately, and fortunately, like, with this being the first podcast as well, that we finally had a Raw that was as entertaining as it was newsworthy. Um, because it looked like for a long time they'd not been listening to the audience. And it felt that they started to. 
And for the first time in a long time, they made a lot of changes um, and swerves in their storylines that they've been uh, neglecting uh, in the past. Um, I guess the first one, and it opened up Raw, was the return of HBK. Um, which it also, it didn't really have, for me at least, it didn't have the funfair, or the fanfare, sorry, that I was expecting to come with the announcement. There was no bill to it. There couldn't be because he opened Raw with Triple H. And it wasn't also really him that announced it. It was Triple H that announced it. I, I think possibly the fact that before the Triple H, um, taker match, uh, in Australia, I think the rumours have been going around that they were probably going to get Sean out of retirement to do a few more matches. Yeah, yeah, starting yeah. Starting with, um, this, this event in Saudi Arabia. Um, and so I think for that particular reason that the rumours have been going around, plus as well, once he got involved in that take a Triple H match, and you know, first of all, he was announced as a special guest referee, which doesn't set too many alarm bells ringing. And then they changed it. So that both him and Kane were featured in it, it felt like this was very much setting up for them to just announce it. The fact that he's been retired is not, is not really the thing. Now, if that hadn't been the case, if they had left Triple H and Taker to just have a match in Australia with the build up that they had, just the two of them, no Kane, no HBK, and just left it like that, and then this Monday, Sean had come out and they'd had that segment, I think it'd been completely different, but yeah, we've yeah. had Shawn Michaels on our screens for almost a month, teasing that something was going to happen, and all they've done is confirm that tease. So I yeah. think they've they've diluted that. It's it's the opposite of what normally happens, which is, you know, somebody gets spotted in the town that rolls on that night. That yeah, you're not expecting yeah. to. This see. is the thing. I mean, they still have obviously they still have surprises, but it seems that they're not. Holding back on surprises, obviously, I will get to SmackDown 1000 later on, but they've already announced so much for the show that, you know, to sit down and watch it would be a great surprise. Mm. Um, and again, as you say, for HBK, uh, for him coming out of retirement, it's no surprise, but I guess that they're using that to try and bring the viewers back to try and get people watching to see, yeah, is this a moment where he does finance his return? For me, I could have done with him staying retired. Um, because I had so many great memories of watching HBK, of watching, you know, the showstopper, of watching, you know, Mr. WrestleMania, um, watching the Heartbreak Kid. He's no longer the Heartbreak Kid. I never, like, the DX moments with him and Triple H were legendary. But when it's now just him and Triple H in a PG DX, I don't really, I've never cared for it. Yeah, like, I mean, I've never really enjoyed it. I like, like, you know, the backstage segment when you went round, uh, uh, doing switching music to people, uh, who were just in the working staff. Ah, that was great. But I've never really enjoyed, like, his moments with Triple H. I'd rather he, if he has to come back, and I always respected that he was the one wrestler who stayed retired. Uh, you had so many, like, Ric Flair, the obvious one, who retired about 17 times, um, but always came back be it in WWE or TNA or WCW, wherever. Um, HBK was always the one, and it was such a perfect way to end. Uh, for him to come back in a tag team match with people who he's wrestled in the past countless times, no, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see a lesser match than those that he's had in the past. For the new generation, sure, it's great for them to see him, 
Um, me personally, I don't need to see it. How about yourself? Like, how do you feel about HBK coming back? Yeah, I, I mean, pretty similar, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, look, there's one reason and one reason he's come back. Money. You know, yeah. they, they've offered so much money to these people to do these events. Um, yeah. I mean, we don't obviously know exactly what it is, but I've seen uh, between a million and 10 million, depending on wow. the amount of dates that he's going to come back for. Because uh, the rumour is, is that this is going to lead up to a Survivor Series match and this is going to lead up to a WrestleMania match. Whether it does right. or not, I don't know. Because it's the thing. If they were to do it differently, like, you know, always the internet, there's so many great, um, you know, ideas on the internet than they tend to be on TV. Um, but if they were to bring him back in a dream match capacity, you know, to kind of have him against AJ Styles or someone like that, uh, or even Seth Rollins or Finn Balor, someone like uh, someone along those lines, you know, to build it up as that a match we've never seen before, that would have my interest. You know, if it was a passing like, torch, if it was a passing torch kind of moment, so like the, the the perfect one for me would be him versus Daniels, because obviously they've got that history there. Yeah. You know, Daniels uh, did, did Daniels start at his wrestling school. Yeah, I believe to train him. Yeah. Um. So you know they've they've had that history, and because of you know what they've done, they've never had that fight. And if they have ever thought it's been, you know, on uh, like a, a training show rather than on an actual wrestling event. So we've never seen Brian uh, Brian Daniel uh, Daniel Bryan um, versus HBK. Okay, fair. But you know what? The, the thing for me, and I've said it before, since when Daniel Bryan announced his return, the, everywhere was so hot. It was like the biggest announcement before. Finally, he's coming back. Everyone, like, it was, you know, trending worldwide, all stuff like that. Ever since his return has not been as hot as his announcement. It's been disappointing. It's been kind of lethargic as well. Mm. You know, the, the storylines he's been putting, um, They've just, they've not really done anything or gone anywhere. The Miz, that was the one we've been kind of waiting for after he finally got out of, uh, his, uh, time with Big Cass, finally got into a program with Miz. And even that's dragged out. And Miz, as you know, for me, is the best on the mic in the business right now. Uh, or at least certainly in WWE. So you kind of think, man, like, is it all going to be like that? He's got the match coming up with AJ Styles. And neither one of them can really talk a good match at the moment. No. In the segment they had on SmackDown, they need AJ, they need, sorry, the Miz in the middle there to really build it up. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, at the moment, if, if it was to be now when Shawn Michaels came back and it was to be Danny Bryan, I wouldn't be excited for that. I'd want it to be someone who is at the top level. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it would still be, a more interesting match. And I think the problem they've got at the moment with a lot of the card is that, you know, we were spoiled when we were watching wrestling. We had Hogan's warriors, uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels at his prime. We then later. See, had... It's interesting because you say that, because for me, it was always, I look back and I think attitude. I think about well, no, it. I was going to say, but, that, for, for me, yeah. that, that, when I look back, that was for me the golden time. Oh no, but what I'm um, saying is, is that we had that era. Then we had Triple H, we had The Rock, 
we had Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, and then, you know, after that, we kind of got John Cena, Kurt Don't say John Cena like that. No, 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 listen, no, 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 listen, listen, hear me out first, right? So we got those people, but the thing is, as good as John Cena is or has been on the mic, he's not been, and I, you know, I don't think this is that debatable, but he's never been as charismatic as a rock or a Shawn Michaels in his prime. He's been good, but I think the reason he's actually probably even look better than he actually is is because of who he's got around him they've had a real problem about pushing people that have that kind of charisma um i I disagree like nobody in terms of charisma nobody can be compared to uh the rock the the rock just exudes charisma um i'd have him above Shawn michaels in terms of charisma um and i think that he was certainly the right guy to come along when he did and he has, for me, he has carried the company uh, throughout. Mm. And when he hasn't been on TV for one reason or another, uh, he has been missed. Um, yeah, but so, what, yeah. what I'm saying is, it's not that it's not that he's not good at what he does, or that you know, as you point out, he's, he's almost carried the company for a lot of that time. But what I'm saying is, is that we had eras where we didn't have one John Cena, we had five yeah. John Cenas. We yeah. don't have. But that at the same now. time. Like, we had so many top guys, but then we only had a two-hour show, which I think that Royal would compensate for now. The problem is they've got too much talent that they're trying to fix onto a three-hour show. There's just too many guys who are not getting any TV time or any sort of uh, storylines or development of their characters because there's not enough minutes in the three hours that they're grinded on TV. Um, so many guys are just falling by the wayside. I think and it's detrimental to the show. Well, I think I think that's part of it, and I also think what comes down to it as well is the fact that you've got people like, um, look at NXT. NXT has been the the, pro- the proof of this for the last few years, because you've had people through NXT that you thought, my God, I can't wait till they make the main roster because they're so talented, they're so good in the mic, they're so good in the ring, and they. No, I just I think they I think you used to say that. A year ago, used to be excited about the day after WrestleMania to see who come up from there in NXT. I think it's changed now because now you're fearful for whoever oh, no, comes no, up. No, from no, uh, you, you you're absolutely right. But what I'm saying is, is that you used to like watch those people do it, and they'd they'd come up and they'd be stuck in pointless feuds. They wouldn't know what to do with them. They tr- try and tweak the character a little bit, or they'd be so content in keeping the guys at the top that they've got that the people they should really start to push aren't given that opportunity. Yeah. That's what's happening. Um, and that's not changing. That's exactly the same now. Um, you know, if you look at who they've got in NXT now, you've got the Undisputed Era. You've got um, Velveteen Dream. That's it. I mean, the thing is they've got... Amazing. For, for the hour-long TV they've got, they've got so much talent. You know, and you kind of feel that there's a lot of wrestlers who could leave, you know, WWE TV and return to NXT to give their profile a boost because they're lagging. They're, they're behind the scenes on WWE. There should kind of be like where WrestleMania has the call-ups. There should be the callbacks as well. But I think there's a lot of wrestlers who will benefit from it. But I think they're spending far too much time at the top of the card with the wrong people. 
they're, they're basically still trying to force these people to be as popular as they had been maybe five, six years ago, rather yeah. than letting the new guard in. Right. So, so one person that's driven me nuts for the last few months, well, actually the last few years really is Randy Alton. And we've had these conversations before about Randy Alton. Now, He's been pretty good recently in his program with... No, 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 he's, he's been the best he's been for about a decade recently. Right, but the, the fact guy is... The guy's been class. But the thing is, he's been in doing... In terms of heel on WWE, I don't think there's a better heel in WWE at the moment but than Randy boring. Like the, he's the, not, no, he's not. Yeah, he he's is. not. really he not. Is. He absolutely is. No, I'll tell no, you why. He was, he's getting he over. was, but now he no, isn't. No. Randy is a... He's getting over because of what he did in that Jeff Hardy match. No, he's not. No, yes. not at all. Yeah, he is. Not at all. He was over before the Jeff Hardy match. What else has he done? Long time over. What's he, what's Long he time doing? over. Boring and well, the week after, the week after what he did to Ty Dillinger as well. He had like the match he had on the main event, SmackDown, with um, Big Show. Um, but he had the program with Jeff Hardy when he come back. And he just started attacking Jeff Hardy. That was a month. And then he had the match in the cell. And then the following week he attacked Ty Dillinger. Then he had the match with Ty Dillinger. And then it was this week on uh, SmackDown. Randy Orton has been for two months the best heel on WWE. But we'll get to him. Because we're talking about Raw right now. You're jumping me. You're jumping around. Um, we talk about HBK. Um, and we talk about the other legends. Um, I don't know if you saw it. Kurt Angle's return. On Raw just had me in stitches. I, I was laughing out loud to his return because it looked like I didn't see it coming until like you saw him sitting at ringside for Allo. Um, but obviously, you had uh, Baron Corbin he introduced all of these, you know, uh, traveling wrestlers basically, these journeymen of wrestling, um, and he gave them all a gimmick and whatnot. And you thought, okay, he's just got all these guys over so he can then win the battle royal and go on to Crown Jewel. And then when Kurt Angle come in, he's doing his dancing, and then he's showing these, you know, classic moves. And he's looking good, by the way. No, he's um, looking awful. No, he's not. He's not. I completely he's not. disagree. He's doing like the because the whole reason for him being off TV is to be in training to come back as a wrestler. Um, and he's looking good. He's looking sprightly when he's doing like the classic conquistador roles and whatnot. He was looking good. He was looking comfortable. Plus, he was looking pretty natural because when he's since the Hall of Fame and he's come back as general manager, he's not looked confident, certainly not on the mic um, and not even in the matches that he's had. He's not looked confident. But he's having the time of his life. My problem with, with that... And it was funny. It was funny as hell. And he did like, you know, uh, call it one line backstage in the interview. It was a really funny moment. My problem with and the I whole... guess like, for the crowd, unexpected as well. My whole problem with the, the angle, pardon the pun, um, is that how many times have we seen the conquistador gimmick used like that? I can think of two off the top of my head. Eddie yeah, Christian that's and Jericho. That, yeah, that's, that's off not the top, many times. That's off the yeah, top of my head. That's the last 10 years. It doesn't matter. It's off the top of my head. It's, it's something that's been done before. It doesn't help as well that Kurt Angle has a look. He's a, he's a lump. Especially nowadays, he's a lump. You yeah, know. but we're not bothered by that. It was funny. 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is there was no surprise element to it. Of course there was a surprise. Well, okay, you weren't... Right, but again, as we were talking about 20 minutes ago, in terms of WWE not holding back on surprises and telling you when people are going to turn up, they didn't tell us Kurt Angle was going to be there. You know, we had to figure it out for ourselves. And for a lot of people, like certainly for the crowd, they only really realised for sure when we took the mask off. Mm. You know, Angle Slam, you know, was a big giveaway. And the German suplexes. we've seen other wrestlers do other people's moves. Um, You know, for me, it was a really funny moment. You know, and great to have Kurt Angle back as a wrestler because that's what it was. You know, and it looks like it'll build up to something in the Survivor Series with him against Corbin to see who gets complete takeover or whatever. See, but I'm just not... the I'm, immediate thing is, Kurt Angle back as a wrestler. I'll take it. No, see, this, this is exactly what I'm saying about NXT. Why, you know, once again, you're putting Kurt Angle back on TV because it's a name that people knew 10 years ago, that spot could be given to someone else. You're constantly pushing these these older guys again. And let's be honest, like if it's applied to spike ratings, it's not working. It's clearly not working. If you put anyone else in that costume with the exception of, I guess, Finn Balor, like it's not going to get the reaction. If you put Bobby Roode in that costume, it's not going to get the reaction. People are like, oh, okay. It but, needed, but the, it need... needed to be a reason. Um, and it made perfect sense for so, being that okay, angle, given okay. the view they had over control of Raw. So you're telling me that if they'd have done that same match, that same gimmick, that same angle, and instead of Kurt Angle being in the costume, it was the Velveteen Dream making his debut on the main roster. The crowd that's not how you Velveteen Dream. Right, that's no, not how you I'm not saying I've been, I'm not saying that's how I'd write it. I'm just saying, are you telling me that people wouldn't have flipped their lid at seeing that? Because they would have done. You know what? I don't think there'd have been as many people reacting to him as Arco Angle. Because bear in mind, not everyone's watching NXT. You know, a lot of the people in attendance and watching at home are kids, and the kids may not be watching NXT and because kids... watching watching three hours of Raw. Is enough TV for anyone? Yeah, but then those same kids might not even care who Kurt Angle is. But they know he is because they've seen him on TV. They've seen like you know enough of like the old stuff or whatever. They'll know. I don't. You know, there's no way that Velveteen Dream is as over as Kurt Angle, given who Kurt Angle is. And that's not me being detrimental to Velveteen Dream. You know, it's just a fact that Kurt Angle is more well known than Velveteen Dream. You know, casual fans, if they find out Velveteen Dreams debuted, they might be like, who? Casual fans, if they find out that Kurt Angle's back, they're like, oh. I know you're saying. If someone like Velveteen Dreams, someone like Big, you kind of want them to have a sort of build-up, like almost like a Jericho sort of build-up, rather than just turn up. Um, you kind of want that sort of thing. But I really enjoyed it, um, seeing Kurt Angle come back. And Raw, you had a couple of hill turns. Um, one definitely that has been in need, but I almost didn't expect it this quickly. You had Bobby Lashley, uh, the first match on Raw, following the HBK segment, uh, the first match on Raw was Lashley against Kevin Owens. Mm. And for me, this was, I really, it was really interesting and kind of like, uh, not risky booking, but bold booking because the previous Raw, you had, um, Kevin Owens in the segment with Elias 
where they were booed to kingdom come. I can't remember the last time there was that much heat. Oh, or that much sustained heat nuclear. for about 10 minutes long. It was nuclear, that heat. I mean, they really... I, I didn't realise the, the full story about what had happened with the, the supersonics, but um, reading up on it afterwards, yeah. I was like, wow. Uh, I'm, That's I'm, the thing. I'm, but it I'm, got I'm that much shocked. heat. So many people went off to find out what the heat was generated from. Mm. He had so much heat. And then he's in the first match on what against a guy who's been booked so large as a phase... You know, wrongly so, but looked so much in the face. And he had so much heat, and they've turned it on, on a sequence, basically. That you've now got Bobby Lashley, all because Leo Rush is telling people to cheer for Bobby Lashley. No one likes being told what to do. So they start booing Bobby Lashley because they're Chicago. They're never gonna be, they're never gonna do what they're told. Chicago like a good wrestler. Kevin Owens is exactly that. So they start, uh, cheering for KO. Um, he's got a big fan base already in Chicago anyways, and they're cheering for him. And I thought it's brilliant booking, um, especially considering where they were a week ago. Mm. Um, I think there's been like hints of KO turning face, because it looks like they're turning face. But before they can do the complete face turn, he's now out for between four and eight months. Which is, I think, possibly why they pulled the trigger like they did. Um, I think they knew that they, that, you know, this was coming up and so they had to do something. And what it means is, is that, you know, worst case scenario, eight months, um, you know, in eight months time, whatever Lashley's doing, Kevin Owens can be brought back and they can decide whether to make him heel or face, depending on what they need at the time. They left. I guess not only that, because obviously Sami Zayn was put out by Bobby Lashley too. Mm. That's true. On TV anyway. So, you know, to bring them two back, possibly even book them as a tag team, a face tag team, you know, they'll be so over. These yeah. guys are so likable and, you know, great on the mic, um, not to mention their ability in the ring. Uh, to- again, another two examples of people that got brought up from NXT, which didn't really... I mean, Kevin Owens has, has had a bit of a run uh, at the yeah. top, but not really what you were kind of expecting to. And Sami Sammy Zayn has been one of the, the biggest disappointments for me from how they were booked in NXT to how they were booked on the main roster. Again, yeah. they've given him some, some decent angles, but, I mean, completely underused, in my opinion. But again, I think that, you know, Sami Zayn's a perfect example. Could you imagine the takeover um, before WrestleMania and he comes out in NXT to square up against Tommaso Ciampa? The place would become unglued. I love that reference. It would come unglued. Uh, I think the likes of him, even someone like Cesaro, to return to NXT, mm. um, you know, their, their stock would definitely go up for doing that, for breaking away and for getting like it into a new sort of storyline. Um, but we talked about in-ring ability, um, leads us on nicely to the Bellas. Um, <clears throat> Jesus, they've been awful. They've been stinking up the joint since they've been back, right? Um, they've been awful. And you know my opinion of Ronda Rousey. I don't think she's ready yet uh, for the amount of matches that she's having. I understand the need to put the title on her, given what she's done for female competitive in-ring action. I think you can call it that. Um, and it, obviously it looks like they're building up for Nikki against Ronda Rousey 
at evolution or evolution, depending on what side of the water you're on. Um, well, I can't put up with Brie, can I? Let's be honest. Jesus Kick her head Christ, off or something. Well, could you imagine Brie against Ronda Rousey? Like, who is going to be her legitimately first? Christ, well, it'll be is, an absolute botch the, fest. The thing is, that, like, uh, this is it. You, you've got this real thing about Rousey. I don't think she's anywhere near as green as you think she is. And I don't think she's anywhere near as dangerous as you're portraying her to be. I mean, the, the betters, I, I mean, they're lucky they haven't killed themselves, let alone somebody else with the botches yeah. that Bree's done. You know, the dive. Yeah, yeah, she, they've I mean, She's done, I think she's done three dives. And two of them, she almost killed herself. And the second one almost didn't leave the ring. Um, you know, why bother? And, and those kicks that she was doing, it, it was just, it was just clumsy and lazy. Um, I know Daniel Bryan took to social media to kind of, you know, defend, obviously defend his wife. Um, I'll make him but, right as well because, you know, you know how I feel about social media. Like the trolls online, there's just no, no need for them, no place for them. You know, at the end of the day, like, they know what they're doing and stuff like that will unfortunately happen. You know, as critical Excellent. as I have been about Brie Bella, like, to then make it personal and, like, you know, they're putting stuff up about a kid, for God's sake. It's like, what? You know? Like, come on. It's just like they're taking stuff too far, which sadly a lot of people do online. Yeah, personal attacks are different. But, I mean, the thing is, he was also kind of defending the fact that mistakes happen. He's right, of course mistakes happen. But the amount of mistakes that have happened in that short space of time is not good. I mean, if if that had been anyone else on the roster in in danger of being sent down to, um, I was going to say, NXT's not a downgrade. They'd have been sent to the performance centre. This is Um, the thing, like, you see, like, how long the Bellas have been back for, and they've already leapfrogged. I think Sasha Banks is also out injured. Um, I'm not sure what the, how long, but it looks like being a considerable amount of time. Um, it looks like Royal Rumble, um, she might be back for. Right. Um, but she's gone for a long time. Um, but likes of Bailey, like she's just completely been left in the dark, uh, while the Bellas are back or, uh, the Bellas are, <laughs> the Bellas are back to botch four weeks worth of action, uh, to then get a uh, title match. Um, there's a lot of talent on Raw. That's been overlooked, um, just to get, um, Nikki into a match with Ronda Rousey. Well, I don't think Rousey's actually hurt anyone yet. We come close to, I'd probably imagine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think she yeah, actually she's has. Like one, uh, um, um, give her time, though, pal. Give her time. Um, the, the other women's matches as well, like Alexa Bliss, um, uh, with Mickey James, you come out to then confront Trish. Uh, mm. Lita come out to team up to have, uh, set up the tag team match, uh, Evolution. Um, and I like that. I like that they've got away from the two singles matches, um, to make it a tag team match. It makes sense given how many matches they're going to have on this card as well. well. Apparently, that had always been the case. This wasn't like a change, but right. they wanted to wait until after, um, the Australia event to, Reveal um, the new stipulation. Oh, okay. That, 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 that's, a, that's what they've, uh, that, that's what it's reported to be. So it wasn't like a change because of they didn't have faith in the match or anything like that. It was always a plan. Um, they just didn't want to spoil it until after uh, that event. Oh, fair play. It makes sense again because I, I guess I'm more excited about seeing them two together than seeing two single matches. 
Mm. Um, that could be uh, very much the same. So I think that's good booking there. Um, but talking about good booking, what I'm not enjoying about Raw at the moment is their Booker main T? six guys. Oh. It's who? <laughs> Booker T. Booker, you leave Booker T alone. He should be on SmackDown Thousand. Um, but no, you've got the main six guys. You've got The Shield. You've got Strowman, Ziggler, McIntyre. And basically, if you're not those six guys, you're not important on Raw. Yep. Um, you've got Seth Rollins, who is becoming the Brock Lesnar of uh, champions, because the dude is not defending his title. And it's paining me. Week in, week out, there is no icy title. Um, I believe since he won it, he's defended it two or three times. And he's had it for six weeks now, at least. Mm. And it's like, like, for me, it made no sense a week ago when um, he was booked in a match with Drew McIntyre, which Drew McIntyre won and won relatively clean. Um, but Baron Corbin come out and said, no, 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 we're not, I'm not going to let you defend your title whenever you want to. doesn't make sense as a heel to come out and not let another heel have an opportunity to win gold. Yeah. Totally didn't make sense. And why don't you let him defend his title? They're so caught up with three on three. The, the secondary title on Raw has been left by the wayside. As much as the Miz did to build it up since it's moved over to Raw, it's lost that prestige. Um, and Roman Reigns almost similarly. Uh, he had, he's had a couple of uh, title defenses on Raw. Um, but because he's so caught up with his program, obviously he's got crown jewel in a few weeks, but he's so caught up in his program, the the title is losing that sort of prestige. Uh, the tag champions, you can't see anyone else on Raw entering a program. You know, authors of pain, they're not going to put hill on hill, and there's no face that is even close to Ziggler and McIntyre. Um, to kind of have a go at them for the tag titles. They've not defended it since the B team got their rematch. Um, so you kind of think they've got, they're the ones holding all the gold and there's no, until they're completely done with this feud, there's nobody that can step up. The only person who can break this, it looks like, is Dean Ambrose. Because obviously at the end of all, you had Ambrose walking away from the Brotherhood. Um, and you, oh, there's, man. they've been, yeah, less. Um, see, so they've been building up to it the last few weeks, or maybe not even a few. Um, but will he, won't he, in terms of Ambrose? And it looks like maybe he'll now go on his own. And hopefully, he'll get booked into a program with Seth Rollins. There could be some great matches. They'll tear the place up. Um, just to make Seth Rollins a singles wrestler again, he doesn't need to be in the team. He doesn't need to be in the team. I'm a big fan of there being factions in wrestling. I love factions. I love Undisputed Era. I love, like, um, you know, people coming up to feud with other factions. And that's what, for me, was so good about the Attitude Era. There were just so many. And I loved it. I loved seeing gangs, um, even like Aces and Eights or stuff like that. I loved all that stuff. You loved the um, Equals, didn't you? Who doesn't? Yeah. But for me, when you book three on three so heavily and they own all of the titles, it doesn't work because everyone else on the show, I've mentioned before, Finn Balor, completely being overlooked 
And no matter what the outcome of the match is, you know, no matter how many times the Ascension beat Bobby Roode um, or Chad Gable, it doesn't matter because they're not going to get close to who the champions are. And, you, you know, how demoralizing that must be, at least from like a storyline point of view, for the rest of the, for all the wrestlers out there on Raw. I, since the original, original run, I've never really been that bothered about the Shield. I've, yeah. I've never really bought into Roman Reigns. I thought when he, when they first debuted and he was kind of like the silent assassin, I think that was pretty good. I think as soon as they realized that the crowd were buying it and suddenly thought they're going to turn him into the next rock, I think that's where the problem lied because you can't just because he's Samaran. You know, yeah. he hasn't got, he hasn't got the charisma of, of his, you know, cousin. Um, nobody has. No, but you know, when you're trying to create it artificially, it just doesn't, just doesn't work. The contact yeah. lenses, you know, the whole thing. Um, Dean Ambrose, um, solid worker, never really bought him. I've got to be honest. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. His movesets are a bit odd. I always hate that stupid clothesline he did. Um, I don't like his finisher either. I think the the world of wrestling's moved on from a DDT. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, you're right. Um, And Seth Rollins, he, out of the three, I think he's kind of like my favourite. But to me, the shield really just should be, you know, Sierra Hotel, Indigo, Tango, Echo. Um, I, I've just got no interest. They've done this because they weren't getting the reactions from Roman Reigns. This was a way of giving them all a bit of a cheap pop. Um, yeah. And I thought it was smart again. because as you say, they brought back the shield to get over Roman. And I thought that was really smart because no one is going to boo him while he stands alongside Ambrose and Rollins. Give it um, a month. Yeah, yeah, potentially, because people, people will get bored as easy as I have been, uh, I guess. But, um, no, I thought at the time it made sense, but they just need to break away from this constant three on three or the three on three in singles matches. There's nobody else who's close to feuding with them no. and they need to do something. They need to address that because it's boring. And especially because Drew McIntyre, is so ready for the singles push. The guy has been so good since uh, making the switch to Raw and teaming with Ziggler. He's been so good. And again, you saw him on Raw. Uh, he was the one that held it together, you know, yeah. more than Braun Strowman. Strowman was out on the outside. And McIntyre was in the ring getting it done. Um, he's ready. And it's a shame they didn't put the icy title on him uh, a week ago. Yeah. Um, but I felt there was enough on Raw in terms of like the heel turns. Uh, there was a potential heel turn with Nia Jax turning her back. Um, they're hitting at Bobby Roode. Um, how good that would be to have Bobby Roode turn heel. You know, how, it, like, I think it would even elevate his music, which is one of the best entrances in wrestling. Um, I think it would elevate because it would per- be perfect for Cocky Hill to come out to Glorious. Um, I just don't really need to see him turn heel against Chad Gable. Uh, there were rumours, uh, there's been rumours for ages about James Storm coming to WWE. Love to see Beer and Money back together. Um, the stuff that they could do with AOP, they wouldn't need titles to be on the line, uh, to bring the house down. Uh, that for me would be class. So what, AOP, how yeah. do you feel about Spud? 
it's a weird one um, because he's not really doing anything um, because at the moment they're not really having matches. They're just coming out, interrupting them, and he's on the outside going, yeah, give them, boys. <laughs> give them what for? So he's not really saying much. Uh, they might do like in the, the old-style promos where they'll do the split screen and he'll be doing talking. It makes sense they have a talker. Um, and it, why not have Spud? He's so good uh, on the mic anyways. Why not have him? Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. I like that he's now holding back on dressing up as them. Oh, I know, just the, the absolute colors. worst. That, yeah. when he came out wearing, like, the, um, the body armor stuff, I was just like, no. I, yeah, I like it, Spud a lot, but that was yeah. just ridiculous. He looked more like a spike than a spud for me when he was doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, didn't need to see that. But I've, it's definitely got legs. And I don't have a problem with, with him getting involved uh, in WWE um, uh, events as well, whilst being uh, the general manager of uh, 205 Live. I just kind I'm of don't get why they got rid of Powellering if the plan was... Well, whether it was a plan or not, but to give them a new mouthpiece, you know, three or four months after. Well, no, I think it was a case of that he didn't want to do the travelling like the NXT was ah, perfect. For right, got you. To do the tapings, um, yep. to do that amount of uh, time. Like, so yeah, as soon as they went to Raw, that was always going to be the deal because uh, he didn't want to do all of the touring or all the travelling. Makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And he's got a, ven- a ventriloquist uh, dummy to look after as well as we... Right, but again, right. as you said about Spud, like, I'm thinking to myself a lot recently, especially with, um, uh, what I was thinking about, uh, what's it, James Storm coming back. You know, they've got Nigel McGuinness on, uh, on, uh, co-commentary. You know, he'd be brilliant, uh, as a manager or as a, as a voice piece, basically, uh, to have him working with people. I can kind of see that happening down the line. Uh, even like aligning with like, uh, uh, you had like what the four horsemen in TNA, whereas what AJ Styles, Rude, Storm, uh, Kazarian, mm-hmm. um, and a few others later on, like to, to align him with those, you know, would be perfect. But again, I think WWE is trying to stay away from the stables or the factions. Um, but yeah, yeah, it could involve him. Now, SmackDown this week, SmackDown, I think for the first time in ages, wasn't as attractive as Raw. Um, because it wasn't that newsworthy, um, other than the two who have just every week have been the best thing about SmackDown, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say as well, it's the best feud in WWE by quite some way also. Um, the stuff they're doing, it, it almost like harks, uh, I know there's been a lot of comparisons online for Becky Lynch to Stone Cold Steve Austin, and a lot of the stuff they're doing does hark from like the attitude sort of era. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been booked into the first ever last women standing match. Sorry, last woman standing match. Um, and yeah, really excited. So, yeah, definitely going to main event the card. Um, not a shadow of a doubt there. Um, they're brilliant. And I know that a lot of people have been critical of Becky playing the heel, but I like it. Um, I've not seen that at all. I think like, the, the views I've seen have been very, um, pro what she's doing and, and how more importantly how she's doing it as well um i think that's she, it i think i think it works better that she's a heel mm. um because people love the you know love a good bad guy and i think that she's playing it really brilliantly 
Um, because in the past we've had the hills and they'll always find their complaints about stuff that isn't legitimate. I think the difference here is that Becky Lynch, when she's had a gripe, it's been legitimate. Like the stuff she was doing about the poster for Super Showdown, she wasn't on it. Um, that was, you know, a big, uh, you know, I'll make a right. Why isn't the women's champion on the poster? If Charlotte's on there, why not Becky? Um, so I think that she's got that in her corner and is working for her. And Charlotte, like, there's been moments in the past few weeks where you think the stuff that Charlotte's been doing is heel-like. You know, attacking her uh, from nothing is what a heel would do. So they are kind of hinting, I think, at Charlotte, you know, eventually turning into the heel. Uh, I think I think that will make it interesting. Hmm. Um, you had again like setting up um, for Crown Jewel. You had Jeff Hardy against Samoa Joe. I was surprised that, that it looks like maybe the Randy and Jeff Hardy feuds just been forgotten about because it's the first time we've seen Jeff Hardy since the Head and Cell match. Randy Orton's on the same card, and there was no mention of them to you know getting together or Jeff Hardy looking to exact any sort of revenge. It was just a straight match with Samoa Joe, and he didn't appear later on for Big Show. Um, a lot of people noticed as well how Jeff Hardy fought Samoa Joe in the uh, TNA Bound for Glory series. Mm. Um, so it looks like they're stealing ideas again from TNA, um, since what they did with Matt Hardy. Um, but yeah, decent match and a nice out for Samoa Joe uh, to show that he did uh, bear the brunt of the brawl with AJ Styles down under. Um, to end it when they did, it just kind of made sense. Um, Randy Orton against Big Show. I think they just put Big Show out there just for the statistics. It was, there wasn't anything really, uh, of any note in the match, but the fact that he was the first, well, the only wrestler to appear on the first ever SmackDown and the 999 SmackDown. I think that's the only reason they brought him back to right. put him on that. Okay, I did wonder. Yeah, and it didn't really make sense for them to main event uh, on the night. Like, you could have even given it to AJ Styles against Shelton Benjamin. Um, I, I think that would have been uh, a bit more entertaining to have that. Um, we talked about Miz and the Daniel Bryan segment with AJ Styles. Um, I kind of, and again, I kind of feel like Daniel Bryan isn't going to win the title anytime soon. But we kind of need someone to step up to AJ Styles, to be a definite title contender. I don't think we had that with Samoa Joe. I don't think the title was ever in doubt um, and that Samoa Joe was ever going to claim the title. We need someone to step up because AJ's had it for so long now. I want to feel that he's going to lose it at some point. Do you think it's, do you think it's time? I think it's time. Because it, it is going a bit, and you know how much fan I am of AJ Styles, but I think for his sake, he needs someone else to start carrying it to make him relevant again, which is an odd thing to say about the champion. But his matches haven't been enjoyable as they could be because the outcome is expected. Mm. You know, put him in an angle with someone who you think, geez, like, how's he gonna come come out on top here? But there's no one on SmackDown. You kind of think Randy Orton could be the only one. God. And exactly. You know, he has been that good that he kind of deserves it. 
But at the same time, it's, Jesus, do I really want another Randy Orton title match? Can we? Can can you try and convince me then that Randy Orton's now good? Because this is my view. I mean, I, I I'll be honest. I completely zone out on Randy Orton matches because Randy Orton of um, twenty eighteen match wise and move set wise and pace wise seems the same as Randy Orton of two thousand and eight. Um, if you watch his match with Big Show, you will get exactly what you just said. Um, if you look at his match with Jeff Hardy, at Cell, it was def like he was fighting an attitude match in the PG era. But to me, and, and his, that moment, seems more to, to do with Jeff Hardy than it did to do with Randy Orton, if that makes sense. Well, I think because Randy Orton is showing this sadistic side. Showing that he wants, uh, almost like in the same sense that Kevin Owens come back for two weeks and wanted to hurt people because he could sort of thing. Randy Orton's doing that on SmackDown. And it's, it's totally believable. Um, and he, and you, because this whole arc era out of nowhere, you don't know when he's going to turn up or who he's going to do it to. But for SmackDown just kind of lacking that real credible heel talent, that's why he stepped up because there's nobody else out there. For God's sake, the last three weeks, our truth's been um, the most interesting thing on SmackDown, or the most entertaining, certainly. Mm. Um, you know, I'd always have the Miz in the title picture, but he's been uh, cast aside because he lost in about two minutes to uh, uh, Daniel Bryan, mm. a Super Showdown. So they can't need someone. However. They may have that saving grace because announced this week is a return of Rey Mysterio, not just to SmackDown 1000, but to WWE. He is here and here to stay. Oh, well, that's uh, great, isn't it? That, you know, I'm so pleased um, that they've decided to do something they haven't done for a while, and that's bring back a wrestler who was popular 10 years ago um, to be one of the more uh, you know, pushed characters on their TV shows. Man, SmackDown need Rey Mysterio right now. No, Ray, it doesn't. Like, what SmackDown needs is people that can wrestle in the same kind of exciting style of Rey Mysterio. But again, Rey Mysterio of 2018 is not Rey Mysterio of 28. No, 2008. Oh, no, man. Um, he looked pretty. Was it the Royal Rumble he made the yeah, he looked, cameo? Yeah, tasty, but we're talking about a yeah, cameo yeah. In, a, in a Royal Rumble match. Um, I, I've seen him wrestle for smaller independent companies. I saw some of his work for Lucha, uh, Lucha yeah. Underground. He, like, I'm not saying he's not good and he's still got, you know, a bit of that old, you know, uh, style to him and that, that kind of pace, but it's still not the same person that it was. And again, we're going back to the past to bring back a name. What's, what I love during a Royal Rumble is seeing Rey Mysterio pop out. He's seeing yeah. the hurricane turn up. Seeing people make these one-off appearances and do a good job, maybe get a few more bookings out of it, um, but that's it, you know, as a kind of showcase for them. What I don't appreciate is these people being brought back full-time to be ran down our throats again when you've got plenty of talented people that need space on those rosters. What you're doing... But who, who are these people then? Who, who are these... I'm the era of Velveteen Dream. No, but here's the thing. Champa, no, but here's the thing, right? Right, here's Gargano. the thing about... Right, 
everyone you've just said there, absolutely everyone, I don't want WWE to touch them because yes, they are the so hot in NXT. But that's no, not the no, point. Right. No, I know it's not the point. And WWE should. It is in their interest going up. But they are so hot in NXT. NXT is so hot. It is the best program uh, WWE have at the moment. Why uh, tamper with it? You know, there are people, I think that everyone tamper just mentioned there, I wouldn't want, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want anyone of those to leave for at least a year because I'm enjoying them so much on NXT. But there are people outside of those, I think, five that you said. Uh, for me, I'm ready for Lars Sullivan to make the step uh, to SmackDown. Um, I like Lars Sullivan. I think he's so um, believable as a big, heel, tough guy. And I'd love to see Lars Sullivan against AJ Styles. I think he would destroy AJ Styles. Um, and I'm ready to see AJ fight someone like that. You know, bigger than Joe, badder than Joe, meaner than Joe. And that's saying something. Um, I don't like, again, Velveteen Dream against AJ Styles. You know, that's in the realm of Dream Match. You know, Evolution coming back on SmackDown 1000 to be uh, interrupted by Undisputed Era. That's wet your pants kind of stuff. You know? Um, Daniel Bryan to win the title at um, Crown uh, Crown Jewel yeah. uh, to win it uh, in Saudi Arabia and then Johnny Gargano comes out uh, to challenge him to a match there and then sort of thing you know Roman Roman Reigns uh, wins in Crown Crown Gem and then Survivor Series Tommaso Ciampa comes out you know these are all sort of at the moment dream match scenarios but why given because NXT has kind of been given that poison chalice as soon as they come over to WWE there has been no one since almost the days of Roman Reigns coming over from NXT there has been no one that has really made their mark you know Rey Mysterio is fighting Shinsuke Nakamura in Smackdown for me that's dream match material against someone who, again, has a bit of the Brock Lesnar's about them as a champion, who hasn't really been given um, enough sort of time for his character to develop on WWE in comparison to what he was doing um, and how insane he was on NXT. Um, yeah, I think that NXT leave them five guys alone. Um, but maybe the guys who are undercard um, what uh, Alistair Black like when he comes back you know he could be a guy to come over but the thing is that but, the reason like more than anything else the reason why these people should be called up I mean yes we as the fans have got this fear of our favourite people in NXT being brought up and being treated yeah. awfully but from their point of view like NXT wages are poor when you right. get called up to the main roster it, it's a big increase in your rate wage packet because NXT is a feeder system and it is paid as such. So yeah. you, you, your Champers and Gaganos and Undisputed Eras, most of them would have taken a pay cut to go to NXT I and see. get that opportunity. So the thing is, I, I mean, I, I, look, I'm not saying that those kind of people should be paid uh, necessarily what a main roster person is getting, but let's just say yeah. for argument's sake, um, uh, trying to think of someone on the main roster now. It's quite low down. Like Leo Rush just just come up, right? 
So he's yeah. now on the main roster. So let's just say for argument's sake, he's being paid $80,000 a year. Right. Right. I've got no idea how, how realistic that is or not, but someone like Gagano in, in NXT might be on half that. Right. Or less than that, because at the end of the day, like, you know, they're not working as many dates necessarily. TV's obviously shorter, money coming in, merchandise. You know, whilst NXT does have merchandise, it doesn't have uh, the same amount of, as you'd get on the main roster. There's no money from, um, you know, advertising, because you're not on TV, you're just on the network. You know, there's all these other things to kind of factor in. So, you know, for those guys... They want to get called up to the main roster because it means they're getting a payday, a big payday. Yeah. Um, and also as well, you're not gonna, you're not necessarily gonna get anywhere near sniffing distance of a WrestleMania spot without being on the main roster. Yeah, totally. So, you know, that, there's that as well. That's, that's still one of the, the big kind the of. The thing is, I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it from a purely selfish oh, point of we view. We all are. We all are. You know, and that's you know, it. I, I mean, I, I I agree that I I love watching. You know, the takeover. I, I I prefer the last few takeovers to the pay per views that are with them. Yeah, I think everyone has. I think it almost goes without saying now that takeover. But again, having what three four matches, um, that's all you need. They've had a bit more than that, but the thing is, I, I think when you've got like uh, a SummerSlam or WrestleMania. Because you've got the build-up, you've got the pre-show, you've got the matches before the card starts, you're looking at a good six hours mm. of content that you're supposed to sit through. Um, yeah. You know, I normally don't start watching the pay-per-view until the pay-per-view starts, and I'll miss those kind of, um, you know, opening matches, um, you know, on the pre-show, just because it's two hours I have to sit through to watch those as well. Um, it's It's too much... I remember the days when a four-hour WrestleMania was an absolute novelty, and it was the yeah. only pay-per-view to do it, and it felt like a, a, a big event for that to happen. Now you're getting six-hour WrestleManias, seven-hour WrestleManias, and you're like, it's too much. Yeah. No one is sitting there enjoying all of that for seven hours or six hours. It's just too It is an much. absolute marathon. And yeah. that's, as a fan, that's as someone in attendance with a seat. Yeah. It must feel like an absolute marathon to sit through those. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, this is why I like, I think the NXT is so enjoyable because again, you take those five guys out, the, you know, there isn't, you know, the pool of talent the uh, Raw and SmackDown have. They just have too many people. You know, and I think that these NXT guys would, like everyone else, would just get lost in the talent. What WWE need is competition. They need someone to step up with close to the talent that they have, um, with the production values close to what they have to really kind of rival them. You know, there's nobody out there that's going to rival them. So the, the only competition they have is themselves. And mm. um, when you don't have competition... You know, you, the product will suffer because, you know, why they need to really, you know, go out of their way to be, you know, incredible television when there's nothing else like it on TV. Well, I think, because, um, I mean, I think we're going to probably start wrapping this episode up shortly, but, you know, it, arguably its biggest rival in terms of actually having a TV deal um, is, is probably shared between Ring of Honor and TNA, 
and TNA yeah. have just, um, you know, said, well, not they've just said, but it's just been revealed that this week's show, as we record this episode, um, has had their lowest ratings in years. Um, yeah. you know, it, it seems to be that it's on an absolute downward trend. I believe their contract is coming up that they've got, um, uh, with pop in the US. Uh, I believe that's current for renewal at the end of this year. And <laughs> the deal they got with them, uh, the, I mean, again, the, the terms were never completely outlined, but it was suggested that it was kind of a, a very low paying deal because they're such right. a small network. So the thing is, who's going to take a chance on them? Who's going to actually give them a TV deal when the ratings are so low? Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins. Homer Simpson smiling politely. Um, uh, you know what? Impact. Um, the problem they've had in the past, um, I'd say definitely this week, because uh, you just kind of felt like, oh, no, not again, where they've been having tapings down in Mexico. Hmm. Um, this week was their go-home for Bound for Glory, like their WrestleMania, and it just, as a go-home show, it didn't have any sort of like, didn't make me feeling, oh, I can't wait for Bound for Glory. It didn't have the hype. Um, part of the problem with that is Johnny Impact's in the main event, and he's not main event material for me. Um, eventually he'll win the title, eventually he'll be their champion, but he's not main event. Um, it's just that certain je ne sais quoi, I guess, that he's, that he's missing to be a main eventer. Uh, he's got the ring work, but he's just kind of lacking that certain something to really make him the star of the show. Um, when he comes out like Moose, Moose since the hill turn has been such a treat. Like from his entrance music to his ring gear, um, Moose has been brilliant to watch. Um, and they've got a lot of top talent there. Like Pentagon Jr. wasn't on TV this week. Phoenix wasn't on TV this week. Um, uh, they weren't in the matches. Um, but they've got a, like Rich Swan um, over there now. Made the jump from 205 Live. Um, and yeah, he's been in, uh, having some great matches on there. Um, he announced as well the guy who um, I don't know if you saw Cody Rhodes. He finally defended his NWA title. Since we're all in, he fought Willie Mack, and uh, Willie Mack was announced on TNA that he will be uh, with Rich Swan um, in the, his tag team match in TNA. Uh, so that's going to like already that's a draw for the for Battle for Glory. Um, but there really wasn't anything else that made you think, yeah, I can't wait for this. And I know if I say this, but hopefully now they're done in Mexico and they get back to the Impact Zone because they kind of miss that sort of like level of production for their shows. Yeah, I wonder where they're going to film the next lot of TV from because, um, you know, the, they they rarely use the Impact Zone now. Um, yeah. It's become a bit more of an active soundstage. I mean, obviously, one of the podcasts I do is about Universal, so we talk, uh, we look at stuff that's going on, and recently that soundstage was used to film Deal or No Deal. Um, yeah. for like a special season, uh, of shows down there and Family Feud has been filmed in there, or, you know, within the last couple of years as well. So before that soundstage was obviously week in, week out used to film Impact. And then when they decided to go on the road, it's, it's allowed it to be used more frequently for other productions. So, um, Impact don't really have a, a proper home base anymore. So, 
I wonder where they'll film the next lot. As long as it's not Mexico, like you say, that'd be great. I think Canada's probably a good shout because obviously a lot of stuff's now based in Canada because of the owners. Um, but I do think that a bad atmosphere in terms of, uh, the audience, um, you know, watching the product, you know, doesn't reflect well on TV and will turn yeah. people off. I know it, like, it shouldn't do. Um, you know, if you like a product one week, just because you don't like the lack of fan atmosphere or the arena it's in, you know, people wouldn't, should not normally stop watching, but people, it does seem to have an impact. Pardon the pun. Um, pun. Too many puns. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I don't know what's next for them. That WWE need real competition. Ring of yeah. Honor have a TV deal, as you said, um, across the Sinclair network. Um, of affiliate it's small time now isn't it Ring of Honor well it's I mean that's the thing I mean it's got a a wide coverage but um, the channel is is such a low down channel it doesn't you know it's it's not a a ratings savvy channel Um, yeah I mean the fact that Fox bought um, the rights of Smackdown from next year is is huge yeah um, because that's the first time it'll be on network TV since um, the SmackDown days on the CW, um, or the, the, the Warner Brothers, oh, UPN, wasn't it, before CW? But yeah, um, so it's bringing it back to network TV. And, and also, like, the CW was the fifth largest channel. Um, all right, Fox is only the fourth, but it's still a step up in terms yeah, of, definitely. uh, the audience it's, it's potentially going to get. It's definitely going to reach to. So, this is this is big, um, and so maybe because Fox are taking this huge part of a proven product, it might mean that you know somebody else will be interested in in taking over a, a TNA and giving them a, a better slot. Um, but they need to do something. If they don't get a better network or a better slot, they're almost worthless. Yeah, you totally. need to have content that's being watched sticking it on your own app isn't going to cut it you need some TV as well I think that's about it like it's almost catch 22 for them because they need TV but to get the TV they need to have the production to have the production they need the money behind them Um, they're in that kind of like uh, circle that they're not going to get out of anytime soon Um, you know ideally they should take it on the road with you know a TV crew that have the um, uh, ability, at least, to put on a good wrestling show, um, because then they'd have the live show, the live crowd, to really like bring it home. Um, yeah. They don't have that, and um, they need investors big time to actually make it anywhere close to being a rival to WWE. Yeah, it's not there. No. Um, and again, with the likes of like the WWE Network, like the money that they're, they're charging, uh, I'm not sure. I need to look into it. But there's rumours that um, they're charging forty dollars for Bound for Glory, which is the norm for a pay per view. Mm. They're charging forty dollars, but then there's rumours that the tickets are twenty dollars to go and watch it. And you just kind of think that is like such a TNA thing for them to do, yeah. um, if it is exactly that. Yeah. Although I suppose it's more important for them to get people to get bums on seats um yes. than watching it at home. And also it's not like in the UK where it is quite easy to get from one part of the country to another. 
yeah. you know, depending on where you, you live and where the, the event's happening. Um, you know, it, it's really easier for you just to watch it on telly and pay the extra $20 than even try and attempt to get anywhere near it. So, um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It, it, it's one of those typical things which, you know, just looks a little bit embarrassing. Um, but that's TNA or Impact. But, you know, but you know, they've got so much talent there that it is totally worth your time. It's two hours and they do know how to fill it. You know, on a good show. This week wasn't, but the previous week, you know, absolutely solid. You know, Brian Cage, if you've not seen him before, he's so good. Oh, he's yeah. basically, the, he's their Keith Lee. Um, the guy's unbelievable. Um, Tony and Pentagon Jr., Phoenix, always worth watching. Um, a lot of like the, um, as I mentioned, like Rick Swan for being over there, Eddie Edwards, like, these are all guys who are absolute top talent. Well, the thing is, you, you mentioned Cage and, um, Phoenix. Both of those guys, uh, I discovered on Lucha Underground a few years yeah. ago. Um, and a lot of their top wrestlers at the moment have been kind of poached from Lucha Underground, which, um, I don't, I don't think it's been renewed for an additional season. Um, it's probably why they're, they're freed up. Um, see. but yeah, I mean, a lot of the talented, really talented guys that got on that roster now were from Lucha, um, which, you know, just, just kind of, shows the quality they had down there uh it was a great product it was a real shame i mean you talk about production values have you ever watched lucha underground yeah yeah yeah. i mean yeah, it's it's, it's phenomenal uh, i mean a lot of wrestling companies could learn a lot from them i know it costs a lot but you could see where the money went that's the difference yeah. um but yeah i mean i i think it's a shame uh, i think they as you say they've got a talented roster i think the past has done no favours, I think, because they had quite a few years where the product was really shoddy um, and badly booked. Um, I think it lost a lot of faith with people. And it's going to take a lot to to bring those people back. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. Um, listen, I think, we're, I think we're about to wrap up. Um, it would be a miss of us not to mention, um, I'd say, the match of the week, which was the triple threat match, Pete Dunne, Ricochet, Adam Cole, um, you knew what you was going to get out of them. They didn't disappoint. Uh, you certainly feel that they, that if they were to do it again, you'd get more from them. Um, but very entertaining triple threat match. I like as well as they always seem to keep the value of the triple threat of having three fighters rather than having two in the ring and one nursing an injury at ringside until it's their turn to come into the ring. I like they kept the free dynamic. Um, and where you mentioned the, the five NXT wrestlers, for me, Pete Dunne, I think he's the future big time as well. I think him and Velveteen Dream, they're the future of WWE. And I mean, Pete Dunne, I, I emceed one of his first ever matches. Um, True. Never would have believed, um, not because he, he wasn't good, but you know, his, his look at the time was, was quite standard. Um, there was yeah, nothing that yeah. really stood out that thought, you know, future world champion. Uh, I mean, the, the Pete Dunn that we, we have like seven years or so on, um, he's a completely different beast and, uh, yeah. really pleased to see him do so well. But, um, yeah, um, guys, unbelievable. Yeah. And especially like, is anyone else in wrestling wearing a singlet right now? Grado. Grado, yeah. <laughs> he had a match. 
he had a match on Impact. Yeah, that was different. And where can if people haven't seen that, where is that match? What the Grado match or the Pete Dunn? <laughs> the Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn. That's NXT. That was for the North American title. That that headline. And again, like it was a good NXT because you had um, Champa uh, opened with a segment where you pretty much called out Velveteen Dream. Nikki Cross comes out halfway through their segment, um, and she's playing it really well. By the way, she's she, like she, she's a really good character, yeah. and she comes out and she's basically um, making people uh, think the assumption that she knows what happened to Alistair Black. Then you had the Keith Lee squash match, and that guy's agile was fucked, by the way. Um, and then I think there was another segment, and then we got to the triple threat match. It's such a punchy little show, NXT. Um, but yeah, definitely worth like 20 minutes of your time watching that triple threat match. Um, that along with, I really liked the Cody Rhodes and William Mack match as well. Plus, like, to be fair, as much as I've uh, laid into them, Shield against whatever Braun Strowman and his mates call their little pack. Um, that was a really good match too with some really good spots um, so I'd say they're probably the three best things to watch uh, this week on wrestling um, mixed match um, what's it the mixed match challenge oh, like always good value it's a neat little hour um, for me it was disappointing because Finn Balor the only thing he's got going for him at the moment is this mixed match challenge and mm. still he's in the position of putting over Braun Strowman why I don't know why can't they just have Bailey pin um, Ember Moon and they win that way so Braun Strowman's protected um, I don't know but again then you had like AJ Styles and Charlotte against our truth and Carmella um, our truth is so entertaining he's always fun he's always entertaining um, it's good to see him getting that sort of push at the moment. Um, but yeah, AJ Styles and Charlotte really working well together. You could, you could almost see that where Charlotte rubbing off on AJ Styles could kind of push him into a heel persona again in WWE. Uh, be interested to see if anything happens there. Um, but yeah, neat little hour of TV. Um, just trying to catch up with a May Young classic as well. There's so much wrestling on. That's not even touching Japan. It's just so much wrestling. Yeah, which I'm sure we'll we'll try and cover on the next episode as well because this has been quite WWE heavy. As you say, it's been a big week. Um, it'll be interesting because I think when we next record, we might have a bit more of an idea of what's happening with the Crown Jewel event. Um, yeah. And if that's going to go ahead. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, just to end on this note, I mean, it, it's a hard one to look at at the moment because, you know, if the US, um, you know, turn around and, and Trump has kind of hinted that, you know, if this is true, relations between uh, the two countries is going to be really affected. Um, if that happens, you would think that they'll have no option but to cancel the event. Yeah. Um, I don't think they can help, hold it anywhere else because they've got a deal in place. Do you know what I mean? I don't think they can then run that event elsewhere. And they certainly wouldn't be able to afford to pay Shawn Michaels the money. Um, so I think we could That's see true. that being delayed if, if that is the case. But um, hopefully... But I guess that that would be the only match that would have to be um, you know, stuck on the sidelines, basically. Uh, because you could then bring the other matches to Raw, almost. You know, mm. what sort of viewership would Lesnar, Strowman, Reigns get and bring to Raw, 
equally said for AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. Yeah. You know, if it was to go down that way, stick them on TV. They got nothing to lose by doing it that way. True. True. So, yeah, I suppose we'll just wait and see. Um, but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll leave it to you to wrap up. Um, I think we covered up just about everything. 205 Live this week. Do we get 205 Live? We had, uh, Mike Bennett. We had him, uh, make his first appearance on 205 Live. Uh, Tony Nice. He beat Cedric Alexander, the dude who doesn't lose on 205 Live. Uh, Tony Nice went over clean. Um, commentators did a good job of selling, uh, Alexander for like basically being depressed since he lost his title. Um, so that was decent. Uh, check out Tony Nese versus Johnny Gargano on NXT from two weeks ago. A uh, brilliant, brilliant match. Um, uh, but yeah, you've also got obviously Maria on 205 Live, one of the best Hill Talkers uh, on her day. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do there. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it for this week. Next week, we'll obviously be talking about SmackDown 1000. Hopefully, we'll have uh, The Rock back on TV. Be interesting if he is there, if they um, kind of hint at, at any possible match down the line. The internet is heavy on Reigns v. Rock for WrestleMania. Uh, Undertaker will be there. Um, what will his angle be? Uh, I guess he'll be building Crown Jewel. Um, Mysterio returning to face Nakamura. Uh, Evolution's back, um, but they'll be alongside a Hill or Randy Orton. Uh, so again, uh, question why Evolution are on SmackDown because they were always on Raw also. Uh, so they've got to be on SmackDown for a reason. It's not obvious why. Um, uh, Edge was billed to be there, but I think they've since deleted any of that. Uh, so we have to wait and see, um, what happens to Edge, uh, developments for Raw next week. So we'll go with that. But, yeah, I think we've got another couple of interesting weeks, hopefully, of WWE TV coming our way. Uh, Bound for Glory this weekend, so we'll be covering that too in uh, next week's episode. There you go. If that, if you wanted a cliffhanger, you've just had one. There you go. Ended on Bound for Glory. All right, guys, until next week. Thanks for tuning in. Good night. Good fight. Good night, good fight. Oh, can we call the can we call the podcast that? Hey, if you want. <laughs> if you want.